thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, just a little preface with the conversation that Rachel and I are going to be having. Well, um, we're going to be talking while drawing and um, it's a little bit of an experiment. It's a series that I'd like to get going and keep going for the gallery where we're having a conversation while annotating the document using the Zoom annotation tool. And um, some of my thoughts on that are just that while we're drawing or doing kind of mindless marking or mindful marking, I'm not really sure which one it is, we kind of release a certain attention that might guard um, a more associative energy that we have for a conversation. So I'm hoping to, um, hoping to make some kind of discovery about what it means to talk while drawing and to listen while drawing. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce Rachel Dean to you all. So Rachel Dean is a California-based artist. She was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. She holds a BFA in painting and an MA in art and design education from the Rhode Island School of Design and an MFA in art studio from the University of California, Davis. She has been an artist in residence at the Chautauqua School of Art, the Vermont School Center, and the Wasaic Project. She has shown nationally in California, Rhode Island, Philadelphia, Massachusetts, Florida, and Texas. And her work has been collected by the Jan Schrimm and Maria Minetti Schrimm Museum of Art. Welcome, Rachel. Hello, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, so, Rachel and I have been kind of moving through a week-long conversation um, every day for a little while and building up drawings, practicing drawing while talking, um, which are all in this Google Doc. And I imagine we'll be touching on some of this this evening, but also hopefully exploring new territory. To get started, Rachel, I would love to um, hear you talk a little bit about the embroidery practice that you're really spending a lot of time on right now and um, what that has to do with repetition and trauma. Sure. So I, um, you know, it, in grad school, I started working with ideas about coping mechanisms and healing mechanisms as related to trauma. And I did a bunch of research into the different psychoanalytic and folkloric and scientific and social ways that we respond to trauma. Um, and I tried to like take all those findings and find a way to make it work within my own process. So what I, what I found that was really interesting to me is that when you experience a trauma, you go into a frozen state rather than fight or flight. And when you're in that frozen state, you are still producing energy, even though you're not able to release it because you're frozen. Um, so when the trauma is over, you have to naturally let go of all of that stored up energy. Otherwise, it's just going to sit there and rot. 
So animals have natural healing mechanisms to get rid of it. And usually it's a physical shaking that they do to get rid of all that stored energy. But often we as humans don't go through that natural procedure. So we develop things like PTSD and anxiety. So I, I was thinking about ways that I could introduce a shaking procedure into my own practice. And what I found, another thing that I found with trauma is about testimony um, and and really recounting the memories and you know giving them some kind of presence. And so I developed this dual practice of first painting about a memory, it, either traumatic or just highly emotional, anything that was like very presently in my mind and affecting my, my being and how I was moving through the world. So I paint about it in an intuitive and quick manner to testify about it. And then I embroider it as a way to work through it more meditatively and work through it as a constant process of body movement. Um, you know, because embroidery is so repetitive and so slow, it takes forever to work. So I, I paint and then I embroider. And then when I show the tapestries, oh, which I guess we're looking at a little one I did right here that's on the screen, I show the back stitching first. Um, and I do that because I think after all of these repetitions, I come away with something that I don't have a lot of physical control over. Like I don't have control over, over how the back stitching looks. It's purely a record of all of the labor that I put in. Um, and I think that's something that I really wanted to highlight is the labor of, of working through these mechanisms on a daily basis. So I show the backstitching first. And then when you do show the front stitching. Yes. On this one, that's the backside. Here's the front, or here's the front backside, or the back front side. Um, and and this one in particular, you know, I guess what I really want to know is here you have, are these marks really free? Yes. And, um, and I think it's hard, it, especially when you emphasize the backside versus like there's a strange turn that happens when you say this, this is the back side that's the front side. And then this is the front side that's the back side. And then suddenly they really are two sides. And we talked a little bit while we were like, there's so much like bound up duality in your work, I think sometimes. Mm -hmm. And um, like talking about trauma and healing and, and how repetition, um, how repetition is, is both a symptom of trauma, but also the cure to trauma. Absolutely. And, um, and so when, when these pieces are finished and you look at them, I'm wondering in your, in your body, in your heart, in your mind, like, how do you feel? Do you, can you sense a different, a shift in your relationship to the traumatic experience upon which you were meditating? I, you know, I guess that's really the question that I was going after in this piece that is up in the Google Doc right now, because I'm not sure 
I don't know if it is. Uh, I made this work. Um, I'm a part of a member of a group called the Imaginary Collective. Um, and there, it's, there's a lot to say about it, but very quickly, it's basically a group that is very anti-capitalist and um, seeks to m kind of make art outside of all institutions and what that means. Um, and so we have secret shows and we don't tell anyone, we don't advertise. Uh, we only talk about it once the show is concluded. Uh, but, I saw, but so the prompt for this first show um, was to make work as if we were already free. Um, and, at the time, I was I was I had just made my my first major tapestry, and I was now on the other side of this whole long process, and did my relationship with that memory actually change, or was my understanding of it any different? I don't know. I mean, I think that it it must be in some ways. You know, I think that probably it ha I have more ability to control anxiety around those specific events because I've worked through it in my body. Um, but I, I don't think that it also is completely all healing. Mm -hmm. And do you like off the top of your head, is there any way in which you could like in which you would think you would be able to quantify that shift or like kind of document that bodily soulful shift or or is is the embroidery itself enough of a documentation of the shift you know that's a good question i think that my initial response would be to say that the embroidery is enough um or or you know that's really what the the intention behind the embroidery is and so i think that it could fill that question pretty easily um but I also, you know, I've been toying with the idea of all, I think it'd be fun to do some kind of performance where, you know, I, uh, I make an installation that I use as a still life and then I live embroider a tapestry and either do some kind of, I mean, in the pre-COVID world, I would say, like, I would just inhabit the gallery space until the tapestry was finished. But in the post-COVID world, I would say that maybe it's some kind of live stream that I do whenever I'm working. But I think that could be another interesting way to think about the labor of it all. But also, maybe it's too heavy-handed. I don't know. It's just something that, it's, you know, that's, that's an idea that I, I've been interested in for a while, and I think I'm not quite ready to do it yet. And that tells me that there are some things I still need to work out about it, but it's something I'm interested in. So. Mm -hmm. Um, let's, I, I mean, I, let's switch directions a little bit. Let's, um, I want to talk about, I, I, I kind of return back to this doubleness again and, and this time kind of think about, cause you and I have been talking a lot about the mirror stage and Lacan this week mm -hmm. and, um, and again, I feel like there's an intense doubleness in a lot of those ideas as well, right? Just in terms of a self being divided and seeing their external self and thinking that that's them, their own self, even though the experience that experiences the mirror image of a self is not the mirror image. 
And I'm curious about, in, in some ways, do you think of your embroideries as images in any way? Or as, sorry, as mirror images? You mean like my other self? Mm hmm Hmm. You know, that's a good question. <laughs> I think that maybe I, I think that uh, I hadn't thought about it in that way before. Um, but that certainly is a possibility. Do you want to um, scroll up to the to the page with the writing on it? Yeah. If I can, I can. Let me ah. Here we go. This one. Do you want this one or this one? Uh, the second, the first one that we did. Yeah, this one. Okay. I don't know. I, I think that maybe I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of feeling like I want to read these. And I think it's, if that, if that's cool with you, Joy. Yeah, I would love, and, and just a little preface to these, right? Um, this text is from these paintings. Right here behind me. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, this is from a series of work I'm doing called Desire Testimonies, where I just try and like be radically honest about my musings around desire and drive. And so these were two um, works that are separate but belong together as a pair. And they wrote them both after reading and researching Lacan. Um, and they're kind of like opposite views in some way and I think that the like the nexus between the opposite is somewhere where my work lies. Okay, so let's read them. <laughs> so the first one says, I've lost access to the thing as is to be expected. It is however remarkable to me how large of a role fantasy has taken in building the distance between my desires and my patterns. I know that any time I return to my memories, I'm just writing my own self-fulfilling prophecy. Yet I'm convinced that my transcendence lies somewhere within these evocations. You could qualify these recollect recollections as a type of fantasy, for they hold more weight than the past moment, negating factuality. But my daemon must reside in the recognition of structure and fact rather than the ease of fantasy. And so the work continues. Um, and then the second one, which takes more of a structure like a folklore or, or um, yeah, goes, uh, there was once a girl who lived in a society structured by expectations. As she matured, she grew to recognize the expectations as hegemonic agents. When she saw parts of herself that mirrored the expectations, she banished them. I've been told my value lies in my appearance and my intelligence, so let me have neither. I've been told my past builds my behavior, so let me have no history. I've been told I'm capable of transcendent emotionality, so let me be rid of feeling. I've been told if I work towards my goals, they will manifest, so let me have no plans. When she surveyed her emptied self, she found she had never felt more at one with her character and simultaneously could not see a way to move forward. And <laughs> when she surveyed her emptied self, she found she could not, she could never, she had never felt more at one with her character and simultaneously could not see a way to move forward. Mm -hmm. 
do you want more? more? I, I just, I mean, what does it feel like to have an emptied character, you know, and, and to not exist? Well, that's what I, that's what I kind of mean, right? Like if you're looking at, I mean, the con very basically is there, scroll up. It's very basically about three different aspects that build our personality. There's the uh, symbolic, the imaginary and the real. Um, And basically the symbolic and the imaginary are projections of ourself, our personality and our subjectivity that are structured by outside forces like society and media and um, all of the different things that we intake. Language is huge. The things that we grow to meet rather than create ourselves. Um, and the real is this more of our unique jouissance, like our innate character, our gut, our drive, our desire. Um, and so it's it's like a fun thought experiment. And I think I often think about this as relation, in the relation to gender and femininity. Um, like if I do away with everything that I've been taught about what femininity is, what do I have remaining? Or, and then you could apply that to any kind of structure that you, that you find within yourself. And, and often I think in those moments you feel at most at one with yourself, at one with your character. But also if you do away with all relation to structure, you're not really able to continue to exist and function within the world that we live. And so it's about this, and, and this is the, the, the play between the two writings. It's about this um, figuring out of, of the scales about how much you're engaging with the the structured selves and how much you're engaging with your unique self and when you're letting who who come into the forefront of your mind and take over and when you're embroidering yeah are you i mean how do you i mean i kind of sometimes i kind of think of making work as being kind of empty right like as being a force and and a a conduit of energy. And I'm wondering if when you're embroidering, A, what do you, like how how do you sense those different, how do you sense, can can you sense the differentiation between the symbolic, the imaginary and the real, or or do you feel like you have a sense of that? And then also um, do you, do you feel like you have more access to the real as you're in the middle of working? Yeah, I think that it's, uh, I find it's easiest to like do away with the symbolic and the imaginary rather than to connect with the real. Um, just simply because I can like follow the lineage of, of society. I can say, okay, I have this, particular image about or thought about myself did I see that in a movie oh yeah I did and like where else have I seen it and you can like follow it back in time and like identify where you where that belief came from um but with the real you're kind of in this space and I think this is a lot I think it is kind of the moment of making art um where you're you're not fully conscious of I don't know like 
your mind working. Like I think artists often talk about it. Like I'm in the zone um, <laughs> where you're just kind of producing and you're letting your body respond and function as it naturally wants to and as it progresses. Um, and so I think that embroidery is interesting because it's so slow that I often have to have like a lot of outside stimuli to like be chugging along with me while I'm working. Like during quarantine, I've been watching Love Island as I've been embroidering many, many seasons of it. And there are 50 episodes per season. Like it's crazy. But I'm not really in taking Love Island. It's more just I, I have this constant um, source that's like a buzz that's always almost at the same level. And like with that buzz, I can kind of numb out my, my conscious thinking and just let my body be in that meditative, repetitive state. Have you, have you ever tried to do a full day without external stimuli? And to just feel the buzz? Not a full day. Sometimes, you know, towards the end of a studio session, I'll, when I'm feeling kind of antsy, I'll, that's the moment when I'm like, I can't have any stimulus right now. I just need some quiet, but I have not I, I rarely reach a point where I don't want anything. Mm -hmm. And if it's not an, an audio book or a movie or a TV show, it's um, music, especially for when I'm painting music. Do you, where do you think it goes? All of that, all of the audio book, like, do you think it just kind of like flows straight through you because there's, because all of your energy that grabs at what is happening externally in the world is focused on a needle and thread. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's like definitely, it's not like full absorption. And I also like don't try and intake anything that's too intellectual while I'm working. I mean, hence Love Island. <laughs> but like when I listen to an audiobook, usually it's like a fantasy or something that's lighthearted and I don't really have to like use too much brain power to follow along with. Um, if I was going to say something else, but I can't remember. Do you, are you able to remember the characters' names from Love Island or does it just wash out of your memory? Well, I'm horrible with names in the first place. So no, <laughs> no names stay in my brain ever. <laughs> Would you be able to recount any of the plots? Yeah, 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 sure. Oh, I, oh, I remember <laughs> the story. Uh, at one point when I was working, I watched a bunch of the X-Files. Um, and I was doing something where I really what didn't have my eyes on the screen. It was just noise. And then I was seeing a guy, we were, uh, he was so into them and he hadn't seen them before. And he kept on being like, oh, well, you have, have you seen this episode yet? I was like, I don't know, maybe, I don't think I have. And then you start watching it and it, there's no familiarity for me. And then all of a sudden someone says a line or like there's a dialogue exchange. And I'm like, oh yes, I have seen this before. But the visuals I like are completely new to me, so. Is that that I that stuff creeps me out when it's just like I don't know how I mean talk about the subconscious right like I don't know but then all of a sudden some some face zooms by in a scene or some sound bite springs the memory that I have actually seen it but it's buried deep inside of me where I have no control to the access of it creeps me out <laughs> oh the brain. <laughs> Seriously. Well, I think I'm going to go ahead and um, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up yes. for tonight. 
Well, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being willing to come do this with us tonight. It was fun.